I guess it's uh, genetic or something like that. Anyways, um, cool. So welcome to formation. Here we are. Uh, Father Ethan, thanks for being here, our fearless leader. Um, so if it's your first time, practically what formation is, like what it actually looks like, hey Paul, is uh, we come together as a group. We had an awesome meal. So thanks again, Sarah and Lauren. Yes. Up with that. And the cake. How about that cake? That was next level cake. There you go. Um, and we just come here for like fellowship gathering, meal, and then there's some kind of teaching. Um, and then we're going to have some time to respond to that in worship, which is usually just a few songs, um, kind of turning to the Lord and uh, seeking His face. And then we hang out. That's it. And sometimes there's small groups, and women might do small groups afterwards. Um, guys, we can do another night because it works better for schedules. But. We're doing you know that too? Okay. So it's always another night. So it's always kind of part of the whole package too. And the whole the whole vision here, we're gonna get into it a little bit more in a second. But it's all about like you got an awesome opportunity this year, right? Like you're hungry, like we're growing. Like God has something for you. There's like a big plate in front of you. It's like a massive hunk of meat, maybe a steak. And like we like we need to learn how to eat it right, right? Like what's the right way to cut? What's the right, the right utensils to use? And like how can we like take, make the most of what the Lord's put in front of us this year? So we have awesome opportunities to actually grow and become the men and women you created to be, right? Amen? So, um, formation. So I'm going to kick us off with, really kick us off, and we're going we're gonna to dig into this really the whole time. Um, it's going to be our our guide, if you will. Um, let's, let's pray before we get into it, because we need the Holy Spirit. So, let's come before the Lord together. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, let's welcome the Lord here. Jesus, we praise you. Lord, we honor you. Glorify you, Jesus, you are Lord, you are King, and you are Lord. Now, Father, we, we acknowledge your love for us. We acknowledge that your eye is on us right now, that you love us. We acknowledge you, you have a vision for our lives. But we thank you for the people you placed around us. Thank you for St. Monica, St. George, the Catholic community here. But we thank you for all the ways you're uh, making us to be a people, a light, the students in Cincinnati, Lord, we just pray that your spirit tonight would convict our hearts. We, we say, come Holy Spirit, we welcome you among us, and uh, we just are anxious for what you'll do. We pray that your your word tonight would fall on good soil. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Good. Um, so we're going to talk about, really, hold on, Matthew 13, parable of the sower and the seeds. You guys have heard before, I'm, I'm going to read it for us. So if you have a pen, feel, feel free to take it out, pen and paper. Um, you can also take notes on your phone. I do that. If you're doing that, I won't assume you're texting, so you have liberties to use your phone notes if you want to do that. So here we go. You ready? Digging in. Matthew 13. It says, That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered around him so that he got into a boat and sat there, and the whole crowd stood on the beach. So imagine this scene, like, Jesus, he's done some miracles. He's had somewhere in the mouse. People are like kind of catching wind of this, right? And like there's momentum happening. There's like, people are excited. And they're like, yeah, this guy's like, he's, he's a prophet. We know he's a prophet. We don't know if he's like the son of God, but he's a prophet. He's doing something. Something's happening here. And so much so that he can't stand somewhere and speak to him. He needs to go on the sea because when you're on, the, on a boat, your voice reverberates really well. So you actually project better on, 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 the, uh, on the lake, on the sea. So that's what he's doing. And you can imagine just throngs of people standing there hanging on his every word. And he, this is what he says. He says, 
And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they had not much soil. And immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell upon thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundred, sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. And I love this parable because actually this parable is a parable about parables. It's like a meta parable. <laughs> right? It's a parable about parables, right? And he's, he's talking about like God's word, like God's word being sown, like all these parables, like how they hit us. And how they hit us, actually, like there's factors that we may or may not be aware of that actually determine how God's word hits us. And like God, when I say God's word, like God's word is most explicitly and clearly seen in scripture, right? This is God's own word to us, right? But we know that God's like other word, his like his spirit speaks to us throughout the day, right? Little promptings, right? Sometimes in more intense ways, like at the sacraments, like mass, right? Confession, like really powerful encounters with God and his word to us, right? His action in our lives. Like maybe just throughout the day, right? Little opportunities, little nudges, like, hey, go sit by that person. Or like, hey, maybe like be bold here. Maybe talk about your faith. Hey, maybe be bold in like making a connection and an invitation to mass. Or like whatever it is, we see these little promptings of the spirit. Like, hey, go like talk to that brother over there. Like, hey, maybe you should go say you're sorry. Like these little nudges, right? And like how, where our hearts are at, the disposition of our hearts determines if that word actually hits and bears fruit, okay? So that's what Jesus is talking about here. Um, I'm going to pull my notes here. So this is, a, uh, this is a great quote. I was reading, but it says, it says, true Christian life is constant work on the conversion of one's own heart to prepare the ground in oneself to receive the seed, right? So our life, this is a great, it's kind of like brings into focus, like what is the Christian life all these things. Well, as, at its core, it's pre- preparing soil for God's word to be sown in our lives. It's preparing the soil for God's word to be sown. And what fundamentally is the word that's sown? We're going to get there, but I'm going I'm to spoil it for us now. It's, it's the story that we have a father who loves us. We have the, the God of the universe who created everything, who spoke it all into existence. Like, I heard this, my buddy was talking about this. He said, if you, if every star was a grain of sand, okay, if every star was a grain of sand, and if you took all the known stars, this is stars we know about in the universe, and like put them all together as grains of sand, that, that the size of that structure, or, and would be five miles long, five miles deep, five miles tall. Uh, that to me, that just like blew my mind. I don't know what's five miles away from here. Like I, I should have looked it up on the on Google Earth. I didn't. Norwood. Yeah. Norwood. Okay. Imagine here to Norwood, and then like five miles deeper from there, and then five miles tall, which is like about as tall as an airplane flies at cruising altitude. That's. Those are just the stars we know about, and this guy we're talking about. Those are just created things. Those are like nothing to him. He can like, whew, they're gone. 
Like that's the God that created all things, the God who has his eye on you right now, whose power is at work in your life. And he doesn't just like, you know, do nice things for you, but knows you personally, intimately, and loves you intimately and personally, and has his whole being power directed towards your flourishing. Right? That's the good word. And when that's the case, like, like, why do I like run from that God? Like, like I, myself, like how many times in my own life have I like, figured out like, I do something I shouldn't have, I feel bad about it, and I'm just like, I don't wanna to talk to God about it. But like that love is exactly where I need to approach, right? And that place of confusion, that place of guilt, right? Wherever it is, right? So this is the good word, right? The good word that we have, a, that's the God that we worship who is for us. And when, that's, when that is planted in good soil, that bears insane fruit, right? I don't really know exactly what 30, 60, 100 fold is, but this is what I imagine it means. Like, you know when you like, plant a little grain of wheat in the ground, what do you expect to come up? Like, one stock, right? But imagine, like, with God, it's like you plant one little grain, right? And it's like 30 stocks, 60 stocks, 100. Like, that's the kind of multiplication that the Lord is inviting us into in our life that we don't produce on our own. But it is this surrender to this love, this surrender to this plan that actually produces that kind of harvest in a life, right? Like, how else do you explain the lives of the saints? You can't unless you talk about God's power and his love and someone who is so thoroughly surrendered to that because they're confident in this God to bring about their flourishing, right? Not just their flourishing, but that of the creation that he's, he has put into being, right? So um, what an opportunity we have this year, amen, to dig into that. Like, to take the next step on this process, to surrender to divine love. To, like, say, God, you have a bigger vision for my life than I understand. Lord, who can I love today? Lord, what is in front of me? Lord, I get to worship you in the morning. Like, for us living in a household, what a joy it is to wake up, to not feel like it, but then to, like, fix our eyes on Jesus and worship him anyways. So what that does is that takes us and our feelings off the throne of our life and puts Jesus on the throne of our life, right? And that where he belongs, because we know there is the place of joy, the place of peace, the place of meaning, all those things. And that's a gift we have each and every day. So as powerful as it is that God has a plan this year, right? It is also equally true that the evil one has a plan this year. But don't be confused. It's not like they're like equal adversaries. You know, it's like God and Satan, like heavyweight match. Like God is infinitely more powerful than Satan because he created him, right? But like the evil one has like, has, is also way more powerful than us in the sense that he's way smarter. He has, he's way more powerful. He exists outside of, you know, he's, he's, really, he's really intelligent. But the fact is, the darkness cannot exist in the light, right? Like, and we know in Jesus Christ, the evil, Satan is a defeated enemy, right? Like, Jesus has, like, by his death and resurrection, um, and goodness, I wish I could, I don't have time today, but, like, because of the fall, Satan actually had, like, um, authority in the world. Like, what happened in the fall was, Adam and God said, don't eat the fruit of the good and evil. Um, so you can do anything, but just don't eat this tree, right? Satan says, eat of the tree. Um, he, he deceives them. And Adam and Eve, they choose to believe Satan and not God. Because God seemed to be arbitrary. It's like, did God really say? You know, Satan made God look like some arbitrary old man or recliner. And because of that, they, they transferred their loyalties to Satan. And Satan then had authority over them. So when Satan's talking to Jesus, right, in the, in the, in the desert, Temptation in the desert. You know, you know the third and final temptation is what is like he, he takes him on a high cliff and says, "See all these kingdoms of the world, like these can all be yours if you bow down and worship me." Like Satan could say that because he had authority over all the kingdoms of the world at that point in time. 
that was rightful, that he had the right to say that to Jesus. That Jesus came, and by his death and resurrection, he defeated death. He defeated sin. He reconciled us to God so that we can be filled with the Holy Spirit to live the lives we were created to live, right? To be, the kingdom of God is within you, right? To unleash the kingdom here on earth. And that's what we're doing this year. So it doesn't, when you talk about like saying as a plan, what we're talking about is like surrendering to God, right? Because when we're in the light, when we're following light, when we're in Christ, the evil one, like he can harass us, but he has no power, right? He can't move us away. Like nothing can overcome God, right? In the death or life, like Romans 8 stuff, right? He has a track with me. So we're a little off track here from Matthew 13, but we're gonna get back to it. Um, I think this is like, that's an important groundwork for us. So we, we see kind of four different scenarios here. He says, the sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, right? And the birds came and devoured them. So in, in the ancient world, people were thought symbolically, like, scriptures a lot of symbols, and like stories had symbols to them, like, like the dragon. It would symbolize something that the ancient people, they understood what a dragon would symbolize, right? Like the like prince is locked away in the tower, right? We hear that story a lot too. Like, it's not just like, that's like symbolizes something, right? So when you hear path, the ancient people understand path is like direction, like journey, like life direction. So think of it this way. Like if I'm sitting in my recliner after work, I'm exhausted, I'm reading a book, okay? And Ellie, my four-year-old, comes up to me and says, Dad, do you want to come outside and play? Well, in that scenario, I'm on a path. My path is chilling and reading. And then Ellie comes and proposes a separate path, right? And in order to get on her path, I have to leave my path that I'm on to come onto her path. So what this is talking about here is, is a path in life is so important how the seed falls in us. Because if we're just on our own path, defined by like, we don't really have any openness to God and what he might want from me. I'm just going to do my own thing. It's going to work out for me. Like, like maybe our path is like, the, like our, all of our hope is in the American dream. Like, <laughs> you know, which isn't a bad thing, but if it's like our only hope, like I know I'm going to get this job at this place, have this many promotions, make this much money this time, uh, you know, marry this person this age, have this 2.1 kids, white picket fence, buy the boat by age 40, you know, and like retire at this age, and like these vacations all lined up. Like that, that we have to like realize that to, like that path is not necessarily the Lord's path for us. Maybe that's like what he brings us into, but if we don't like leave our like narrow-sided like this is my world, then God's word can never be properly hit fresh soil. It just kind of hits there on the path, right? And what happens? The birds of the air just pluck it off because it never goes anywhere. It's just like, there it is. Everyone's like, gone, 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 right? But so we have to have this openness like, Lord, what is your will for my life? Or what do you have for me? And that's kind of the first thing we're hearing here. Um, in this too, we can see here in this, in this path too, what, what can make the path so hard sometimes is, is our constant desire for amusement, right? And not that like, you know, we're talking about The Office and uh, uh, Parks and Rec at our table over there. Those are really good shows. But if we're living a life where, like, every free moment we have, it's like three hours binge of the Netflix, or like every second I have to, like, spares, like, every study break I have is, like, digging into this, right? Then, like, there's no room for, like, deeper things to, like, take root in our life. And they just kind of fall in this hardened, trodden path. So if all we're thinking about is, um, I mean, you name it, right? Like, it could be sports, or for me, Sports, Browns, Cook Browns. I know in Bengals territory, I'm sorry if that offends you. Um, and whatever it is, but these can like harden our path. So we gotta realize our amusements, how we spend our time, where our curiosity is drawn towards is part of this as well, right? Um, so next one we see is the rocky soil, right? 
So other seeds fell on rocky ground where they had not much soil and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. So again, some people, he's talking about hear the word of God and they get really excited and they're like, yes, I'm in for that. And they like, go all in. They get involved. They do the things. They like, you know, show up to mass. And then like when things get hard, it kind of falls away. Right? When maybe there's like someone makes fun of their faith. They're like, oh, shoot. I don't want to be made fun of. I don't know if this is that serious. Maybe it's like a difficult time in life. It's like, God, where are you? I guess you're not that real. You wouldn't make this happen to me. And they fall away. Maybe it's like a hard relationship. Maybe it's a breakup. Like, maybe it's like, you know, school's not going as well as you thought. Or whatever it is, like these trials and tribulations happen, and that reveals that the soil was just that thick or that, that deep. Yeah, it sprung up at once, but it had no root. So, again, they, they attend to the word of God so that in, in favorable times they believe, but in more misfortune they betray their faith. When adversity comes, they throw off their cross and they fall into despair, impatience, and murmuring. So there's, there's three kind of verses that are really pivotal in my life that I want to share. This is parallel. Um, because I think these are like unique for you in college. As you start to step into your faith, like this is, I've seen, fortunately, so many people be the rocky soil. They have, they have a little bit there and they, they spring up in college and they're doing great. But then when things get hard, especially when you graduate, it's going to be hard when you graduate. You got to like own your faith in a whole new way, right? Like we all know that. Um, and some people were just, I, I can't, I remember like the sadness I felt. I was hanging out, so at someone's wedding like a year and a half after college. And this girl I was talking to, she was like a leader in the Catholic Center I was at. I went to Texas A&M, same year, it's a big Catholic Center. She was like part of like this treat program we did. She's one of the leaders there. She like Bible studies. She was uh, really daily mass. I was talking to her a year and a half later, and she like wasn't going to mass anymore. And I was like, I just could not understand it. I was like, you were so in. Like I didn't really dig much beneath the service, but I just, my astonishment, like I couldn't believe as someone who was so consistent um, in just a year and a half let like pressures, anxieties, whatever it was, like choke away the word that was planted in her. Um, so the verses I want to I want to offer us today. First one is James one. Personal favorite. Um, we're getting there. Here it is. He says, "Count it all joy, my brethren, when you meet various trials." For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Count it all joy, my brethren, when you meet various trials. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So what he's talking about here, count it all joy. Like, what a, what a contrary statement. Count it joy when you encounter trials. Like, when things are hard, like, James, he's just saying, like, you know, like, play some Jedi mind trick and, like, just tell yourself it's fine. No, he's saying, actually, existentially, in, like, reality, it's good to meet trials. Why? Because God is still at work. That God who loves you still loves you. That hasn't changed. Your emotional state might have changed, but God still loves you. And you can turn to that God and realize that through this difficult situation, his power is still at work in your life. So if you, you can say yes to this, because if you say yes to it, his power will operate, and then you will become a stronger person. Your character will be built up in a way. And this, as you, as you say yes to this, 
the steadfastness will be built up in you, and this will make have an effect in your life where you become who you're made to be, teleos, which is perf- this idea of perfection, which has two senses. And this sense is the more, um, could be translated mature, a mature Christian, like as you're created to be, right? So um, I love it, count it all joy. So th- th- what does this look like? This looks like, like, again, like my favorite example is just like mornings. I'm, I'm not good at mornings, but I found so much freedom, brothers and sisters, in like approaching mornings in this lens of counting it joy, when I wake up, we used to have a phrase in households, not always the best, but it is in the right lens. We would say, embrace the suck. <laughs> it's a military phrase. But it's kind of like, it's not like do the suck for the suck's sake. It's about like, <laughs> it's about embracing the hard things, right? Because in the hard things, God brings about character, endurance, right? And then so let's do, uh, this is Romans, five, uh, Romans 6 is the next one. I'm sorry, it's Romans 5. Um, He says, more than this, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So he says, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. This endurance produces character, and this character produces hope. And hope is not disappointment because God's love is poured to our hearts through the Holy Spirit. So it's again the same similar theme of like when things are hard, like God hasn't changed. He's not like God is forming you, right? It could be something that's out of your control, right? Like a global pandemic, right? But through that, the Lord's power is operative. It's present. He has something for you here. Ask Him to ask Him to reveal it and to say yes to it in that moment. It could be a hard relationship with a brother or sister, right? Like maybe they like did something that actually really hurts you. Say, God, like, how can I reconcile the situation? What can I do to step into this? Um, it could be a really, like, the fact that you look on campus and see so many people who don't know the Lord. Like, Lord, what do you have here? Right? And we know that we can be, we can actually take that suffering, right, and endure in it and do something about it. And through that, we are formed and molded, right? Because we know that it's going to take us to the end we're created for. Last one, Sirach 2. Um, Sirach, I think. Sirach 2 says, My son, my daughter, when you come to serve the Lord, prepare yourself for trials. Be sincere of heart and steadfast. Do not be impetuous in times of adversity. Cling to him. Do not leave him that you may prosper in your last days. Accept whatever happens to you. In times of humiliation, be patient. For in fire, gold is tested, and the chosen in the crucible of humiliation. Accept whatever happens to you. For in fire, yeah. So accept whatever happened to you and endure it. And changes that humble you, be patient. For, um, for a fire gold is tested and the chosen, the crucible of humiliation. Trust in God and he will help you. Make your way straight and hope in him. Um, for a fire gold is tested and the chosen in the crucible of humiliation. Um, there's something about God allowing, like, there's hard things in the world. It's inescapable, right? But our response to him is so valuable. So if we're not going to become, like, this inch-deep soil, we got to say yes to the trials of today, right? we got to say, yes, Lord, what are you doing in this? God, I know you have a bigger plan. I know this isn't the end of the story. I know I'm not going to die right now. But like, what are you building here in me? And saying yes to it. And opportunities we have you know, on mission, uh, at Catholic Bearcats nights, um, like daily Eucharist, right, literally the hours and morning prayer, and household dinners, right, when we have a ton of homework to do, but choosing our brothers anyways and showing up engaging in that. Like, all these ways form us. 
to be the minimum you create is to be down the line, right? It's easier, it's, these are awesome ways that our way of life can actually build us. Lord uses. So that's my little tangent on this shallow soil. Let's read verses again. James 1, Romans 5, Sirach 2. Um, the next one we talk about here is the thorns, right? Um, so these other seed fell upon thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. So it says here, the seeds that fall among the thorns die too, and they are choked of life by people immersed in time and possessions. Their times are not to blame. Their passion for time and possessions is. Such people may hear and understand the word of God and take it to heart until care or temptation attacks them. Um, and the word is cramped and choked in their hearts. No fruit of eternal life can grow because these people are too worldly. And I love this quote here. Let's get this. It says, The word of God speaks of blessedness in heaven. But these people want distraction and comforts here and now. We shall receive the good things of heaven someday, but the world is giving us its good things now. So they're kind of like, you know, I may understand repentance, but I'll get there someday. So what we're talking about here is like, what, what is our greatest good? Is our greatest good here and now? Or is our greatest good to be with the Lord forever in heaven? Right? And that little perspective shift changes everything for us. Because we, we start to understand that like, actually, time spent in prayer with the Lord is way more powerful and fruitful in my life than just another like 15 minutes of distraction here. And if I'm not praying in the morning and I'm distracted other places, like there's something off. So I love this because this is the concept of sacrifice. Sacrifice. About sacrificing friendships earlier, right, Sam? It's a really intense thing to say. I won't even get into that. I don't even know what he was talking about. Um, we, didn't get, we didn't dig into it. But sacrifice. It's an ancient idea. It's like as old as time. And like human civilization understood, like if you say no to something now, you receive something later. And what I sacrifice, right, shows what I place value to ultimately. So let's say like, and you know, like really basically, like if you sacrifice like a, a lamb, let's say, like that lamb is like, one, it's delicious, right? Like it's really good meat. Two, it's like, going to grow up to be like a sheep, it's going to be clothes, and it's going to be like a mother sheep, it's going to like give you more sheep, it's like your livestock, it's your livelihood, right? But to sacrifice it says, this is not as important as that, right? This is not as important as that. So it places value on the ultimate. So what we're talking about here is like, if, you, if I was able to like, like walk around and follow you for, for a week, I would, I would see what you sacrifice for. Because what you sacrifice for could tell me what you ultimately value. Right? I don't mean just like showing up for it. I mean like with your heart and your soul, trying like doing your best to be engaged in it, right? You don't need to always feel it, but you like make an effort to step into it. So I followed you around for a week and saw what you said. So like let's say like, you know, if you're the guy who like you're at, you're at, you miss half the household dinners because, you know, whatever. You you, you didn't take care to not plan a project over that time or you took a nap in the afternoon, you still have, you have a testimony, so you really got to study. So I would say, like, well, you're sacrificing household dinner for this, right? Or I would say, you know, you're sacrificing household dinner for your nap, you know, from 2 to 4 o'clock in the afternoon. So that means you won't be able to be really present for dinner because you have to really study in your cramped, right? So you care more about your comfort and sleep more than the brothers you live with. 
for sisters you live with. That's, that's what I would see from that. I, would, I wouldn't like make that up. That's what your life said. Because you're sacrificing the household dinner for that, right? Or like, you know, people like, they have like mass, right? They're like, oh, I can't go to mass, I'm too busy. So what are you busy with, right? You look at that, what are you, what are you saying yes to in order to say no to mass? Whether that's your comfort, whether that's your time, whether that's your studies, you're saying that these things are more important than God. Like that's, that's what's saying here. So how we get around this, this being choked out is we make proper sacrifices, right? We put God at the center. We actually say, God, you're worth it. God, I'm stressed today, um, but I'm still gonna make time to encounter you in scripture. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take 30 minutes to like dig into the daily readings today and ask what you have for me, right? This habit of prayer becomes something we sacrifice for instead of sacrificing our prayer for all these other things, right? So our school is most important, it's the Lord. So how do we make that decision more concretely? Um, again, like, yeah, I'm gonna keep moving. I think that point is, you understand that. Um, so, and then it says, other seed fell on good soil that brought forth grain, some 100, some 60, some 30. He who has ears, let him hear. So what Jesus is talking about is, and there's, there's opportunities every single day for his word to be sown in our hearts. And what I want to orient us to is kind of, as we like leave this time, is how are we making time for that every day in our prayer? Or how, if we aren't praying, how are we going to make time for that prayer and then choose to, to allow the Lord's word to be sown? If prayer isn't a habit we have in our life right now, it's gonna like if you're gonna if you're gonna not become like these other four scenarios, it's it's indispensable, <laughs> right? It's like encountering the God who loves us. Think about it. again the God who created all things, the Logos, like the divine Word who spoke all things into being, wants to be in relationship with you. He wants to be in relationship. With you. He wants to know. He wants you to tell him what's difficult. He already knows. He wants he wants to talk to you about. It. He wants to actually change your perspective. He wants to bring his word. He wants to sow his word in your heart so that sows up. It grows up into eternal life, right? He wants this Holy Spirit to empower you to live a joyful, peaceful life, knowing that your hope is in heaven, not just in that class, not just in that hard thing, but actually that he, God of the universe, loves you and is working things out for your good. So, um, I love this. It says, the word of God in the gospel, sown by Christ in our hearts, is not foreign to us. It's not an alien book to study outwardly. I heard that again because this is so so key. The word of God in the gospel, right? Like God's very word. It's sown by Christ in our hearts. It is not foreign to us. Like when we look at this Bible, like what this is speaking about the God who created our inmost being, who knows how we were like made and what we were made for, is speaking words of life to us, speaking words of liberation. Like when we read scripture, chains are literally falling off of us. Like we are set free from our narrow focus. We are set free from our insecurities. We're set free from the things that hold us back because we know we have a father who loves us and we know what he says about us. We know what he did for us. So we can start to choose to live differently because that spirit is alive in us, propelling us into freedom, right? Because darkness cannot exist with the light. So we're being filled with light, so the darkness is cast out, right? And this, I love it, this word is not foreign to us. I don't know how many times you guys, maybe you're at the spot now, I was in my life at the time, where this was so, the Bible was so confusing, I was like, I don't really know, it's, it's crazy, it's wild. But what this is saying is like, this is not foreign to you. You say, come Holy Spirit, and like, Lord, like, make these words come alive. You, the words pop off the page like they're written to you, I promise. Like, this is, this is our story. 
This is a story of God's people being written to you in 2021. Conviction, power, freedom available to you. And this is, this is what God is offering. So um, the gospel, um, yeah, the gospel is life in God, present at our conception by the power of the Holy Spirit, which makes us conformable to God and more God-like. The gospel is not information about strange events recorded by the apostles. The gospel is the word of God that explains kinship and communion with God to the human soul. Ah, I love that. These are not random stories about strange events. The gospel is the word of God that explains kinship and communion, communio, with God to the human soul. This is what we're talking about. Um, and this is the opportunity we have. It says, the gospel makes the human soul recognize the voice of its creator, its heavenly father, and its own heart. Right? So... What happens when we read scripture is the seed of the kingdom of God is sown in us, right? And it springs up. When we read the gospel, the seed of this kingdom is sown in us and it springs up and it grows mysteriously. Scripture actually says, this is a great story, it's one of my favorites, but he says that a man sleeps and rises night and day and does not know how the kingdom of God springs up in him. He's like a farmer, right? Plants and he goes to bed and like it just grows, right? So, so too for us, like if we plant the seed of the gospel, of God's word in our heart every day, we go to bed and we wake up and like we look back six months later and we're like, oh man, that corn's like seven feet tall now. When the heck did that happen? Right? And like we're like, wow, like worship is like way more simple. It makes a ton more sense for me now. Like, thank you, God. Like worship is actually like a place of peace. Like the mass is so much more alive for me than it was six months ago. I didn't even know when that happened. Thank you, Lord. Like these awareness, like, wow, that person who I really struggle with is so much more easier to love. Like mission just flows for me. I used to be terrified to talk to people. I talk to people all the time now. Like these little changes just happen without us realizing it. So if we continually sow God's word in our heart, it grows. We receive it and act on it. It grows. It happens. And it's mysterious. The seed springs up in him unnoticed miraculously. Um, so we're, again, just kind of landing the plane here. Like this habit of personal prayer. Like it could seem kind of like, what do I do? Just talk to God? It's like, Yes important um you do that anytime really but i like it, i think there's something wrong if our, if our if our personal prayer is not is like the meat of it is not scripture the meat of our prayer should be encountering god in scripture and this is hammering on the gospels and that's an awesome place to start if you haven't ever i highly encourage just read a chapter a day start with matthew and just say god what are you saying here and like wait for something to pop out wait for something to stick out to you read it a couple times read it three times read it four times, whatever it is and say, Lord, what are you saying here? And ask him. And then talk to him about it. Right? Like, let him speak. And then at the end of it, do something about it. Have that conviction. Write it down. You know, write it down. Or write it in your arm. Write it in your hand. Like, maybe today is like, I'm going to be thankful ten, more ta- ten times a day. Ten random times. Every hour, I'm going to set an alarm on my phone. I'm going to say, maybe something to think. Like, maybe that's a conviction today. I don't know. But it's just like something that God did through that word that you're going to act on. Right? And... This is, again, this slowly, over time, changes us. So, I mean, you talk about scripture, you don't have to just, you can start at Matthew. Another awesome thing to do is maybe the Sunday readings, right? It's really easy to find. Do the Sunday readings. And just pray through those every day. Maybe, like, the first reading is just hammering you, stick with it, you know? The whole time, doesn't matter. Like, the Lord's speaking every day, keep, keep with it. Maybe the first reading is kind of weird, I don't really know what's going on here. 
Moses seems cool, but this does not make any sense. <laughs> For the second reason, you know? You're like, Paul, you are like way over my head here. And I don't even know what justification means. All right, we're going over here. Gospel, right? Like, you like, or the psalm, right? Maybe the psalm is really hitting you. Like, whatever it is, there's such a rich feast for us there. Two, other options, the daily readings, right? Lord, church gives us readings every day to dig into. That's a great thing to do. Um, so whatever we're doing, there's really no excuse not to have the scriptures at the center of our prayer and happening daily, every day, as we say, Lord, what do you have for me? As we approach him in humility, this is key, you can write that down. It's humility of like, God, I don't have all the answers. God, I don't have it all figured out, but you do. Lord, come Holy Spirit, speak to me today. And this posture of humility really opens up the whole range of God's anointing and blessing in our life as we approach him in prayer faithfully, consistently, and we watch our seed grow uh, without even really knowing. Really, yeah. So, um, yeah. That's, that's, that's it. That's all I really need to say. Come Holy Spirit. It's going to be a good year. Um, so, bring you want to get ready? Kind of, get ready for worship. So we're going to respond here in a second. Um, and for some of you, worship's kind of like in your wheelhouse. You're like, yeah, yeah, I've done this before. Um, but for all of us, what I want to say is like, as we approach the Lord in worship, I, I kind of used the image before. Um, but I can't tell you how many times like in worship I show up and I'm like, gosh, this is not what I want to do right now. All right, here we go, though. And like, that's like, I, I admit that. That's fine. You can feel that way. But then which, there's a decision to be made in that point. Like, you can feel that way. That's how much you have to do to change that. You can't. But what you can do is you can make a decision. Man. Like, okay, I don't feel like it, but God, you're worthy. Jesus, you are Lord. Jesus, like, um, I don't even know if you're Lord of my life, but I want you to be. But at least I'm open to, like, thinking maybe more of that needs to happen, whatever that means. And it's that little decision of turning towards him. And because this is, again, this is the God who loves us so perfectly, who's laid down his entire life for us, who's come down from heaven, he humbled himself to, to die for us that we can be reconciled to the Father to know his love and again to be part of his kingdom right and to be with him forever um, and this is the God we need to worship we need to like lay down our preferences or whatever it is whatever song plays maybe ever you know we're not perfect but we can just say Lord I'm going to praise you and so a great way we do that too is like obviously through worshiping the song but too in like stretching ourselves in between the songs right because like in between the songs a chance for us to like speak freely because the songs give us a good framework to like kind of orient our hearts and give us some momentum right between the songs we have a chance to say just praise the lord and like speak out praises to him because that's actually like it's an ancient way to pray one it's actually the jewish people the word meditate comes from the same word to murmur which is this like right like the jewish people they would pray out loud right and they'd read scripture they'd read out loud and they'd pray out loud because it engages more of the senses it's like you could say college camp. It's a more psychologically powerful way to pray. It's engages you. You're, you're, you're speaking, you're hearing, and it's just, it's just more in your body, right? And your mind. It's just, it's just more like, it engages more of your person. And it's just a cool way uh, we've, I've found in my own life to like, fix my eyes on the Lord and just praise Him for who He is right, and what He's done. Like, you don't know what to say? Like, open up the Psalms, right? If you have your Bible with you. The Psalms are an awesome place to start. Um, to start praying one of those. And this, this maybe just, like, thank God for his faithfulness. Thank him that he loves you no matter what. Thank him that he made everything. Start thinking, maybe thank him for specific things he made, right? Thank him that he's merciful to you. Thank him that no matter how big he is, he's never too big to, like, know you and love you and be present to you. 
Thank you for your, the fact that he like, has a vision for life, a plan for your welfare, right? Thank you for relationships, whatever it is. For Father Ethan, I don't know. Like, it's like praise the Lord. And speaking out loud to him is a great way to do that. So as we worship him, we're just getting our eyes off ourselves onto him. And, and this is an awesome way, a powerful way, where the word, our soil can be tilled. That's how I see worship in my life. It's a place where the soil is, is tilled. Among other places, but a really powerful way, the soil is tilled in my life, that his word can be sown more effectively and powerfully. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, let's stand.